The afternoon following the homecoming of the Skylark, Seton and Dorothy returned from a long horseback ride in the park. After Seton had mounted his motorcycle, Dorothy turned toward a bench in the shade of an old elm to watch a game of tennis on the court next door. Scarcely had she seated herself when a great copper-plated ball alighted upon the ground in front of her. A heavy steel door snapped open, and a powerful figure clad in aviator's leather, the face completely covered by the hood, leaped out. She jumped to her feet with a joyful cry of surprise, thinking it was Seton, a cry which died suddenly as she realized that Seton had just left her, and that this vessel was far too small to be the Skylark. She turned in flight, but the stranger caught her in three strides. She found herself helpless in a pair of arms equal in strength to Seton's own. Picking her up lightly as a baby, Duquesne carried her over to the space car. Shriek after shriek rang out, as she found that her utmost struggles were of no avail against the giant strength of her captor, that her fiercely driven nails glanced harmlessly off the heavy glass and leather of his hood, that her teeth were equally ineffective against his suit. With the girl in his arms, Duquesne stepped into the vessel, and as the door clanged shut behind them, Dorothy caught a glimpse of another woman, tied hand and foot, in one of the side seats of the car. "'Tie your feet, Perkins,' Duquesne ordered brusquely, holding her around the body so that her feet extended straight in front of him. "'She's a wildcat.' As Perkins threw one end of a small rope round her ankles, Dorothy doubled up her knees, drawing her feet as far away from him as possible. As he incautiously approached, she kicked out viciously with all the force of her muscular young body behind her heavy riding boots. The sharp heel of one small boot struck Perkins squarely in the pit of the stomach, a true solar plexus blow, and completely knocked out, he staggered back against the instrument board. His outflung arm pushed the speed lever clear out to its last notch, throwing the entire current of the batteries through the bar, which was pointed straight up as it had been when they made their landing, and closing the switch which threw on the power of the repelling outer coating. There was a creak of the mighty steel fabric stressed almost to its limit as the vessel darted upward with its stupendous velocity, with only the carefully planned spring and cushion floor saving their lives as they were thrown flat and held there by the awful force of their acceleration as the space car tore through the thin layer of the Earth's atmosphere. So terrific was their speed that the friction of the air did not have time to set them afire. They were through it and into the perfect vacuum of interstellar space before the thick steel hull was even warmed through. Dorothy lay flat upon her back just as she had fallen, unable even to move her arms, gaining each breath only by a terrible effort. Perkins was a huddled heap under the instrument board. The other captive, Brookings' ex-secretary, was in somewhat better case as her bonds had snapped like string and she was lying at full length in one of the side seats forced into that position and held there as the design of the seats was adopted for the most comfortable position possible under such conditions. She, like Dorothy, was gasping for breath, her straining muscles barely able to force air into her lungs because of the paralyzing weight of her chest. Duquesne alone was able to move, and it required all of his Herculean strength to creep and crawl snake-like toward the instrument board. Finally attaining his goal, he summoned all his strength to grasp not the controlling lever which he knew was beyond his reach, but a cutout switch only a couple feet above his head. With a series of convulsive movements, he fought his way up, first until he was crouching on his elbows and knees, then into a squatting position. Placing his left hand under his right, he made a last supreme effort. 
Perspiration streamed from him. His mighty muscles stood out in ridges visible even under the heavy leather of his coat. His lips parted in a snarl over his locked teeth as he threw every ounce of his wonderful body into an effort to force his right hand up to the switch. His hand approached it, slowly closed over it, and pulled it. The result was startling. With the mighty power instantly cut off, and with not even the ordinary force of gravitation to counteract the force Duquesne was exerting, his own muscular effort hurled him up toward the center of the car and against the instrument board. The switch, still in his grasp, was again closed. His shoulder crashed against the levers which controlled the direction of the bar, swinging it through a wide arc. As the ship darted off in a new direction with all its old acceleration, he was hurled against the instrument board, tearing one end loose from its supports and falling unconscious to the floor on the other side. After a time which seemed like an eternity, Dorothy and the other girl felt their senses slowly leave them.